Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another edition of Catfish Corner. I'm Paul Scarbina, Predators beat writer for the Tennessee, and I'm joined by esteemed columnist Gentry Estes. Uh, we're pretty fresh off a of Game 4 series-ending loss for the Predators against the Coyotes in the play-in series. The Predators lost 4-3 in overtime to the Coyotes, meaning they're headed back to Nashville and then to their respective homes for another uh, long break before the season gets started again at the end of November. Gentry, today seemed like... Um, Another like a repeat of, of a lot of the games in the series. The Predators came out a lot of offensive pressure, couldn't get a goal. Arizona scores. Predators played from behind the whole game. Uh, this one went to overtime with thanks to Philip Forsberg's goal, I think, with 30-some seconds left in the third. But it's just kind of the same old, same old for the Predators, who I think outplayed Arizona for much of the series and is now going home. Yeah, I think they, you know, they showed some resiliency that and some toughness that maybe they hadn't always all season coming back, you know, they could have folded going down to two zip. They, they could have folded at three, two kept pushing, kept pushing, made things happen. And I'll be honest, when, when Forsberg scores there at the end of regulation, it feels like a turning point to me. Like, okay, you could see this becoming this emotional thrilling win for the predators going into, and then they get all the momentum going into game five, but, Coyotes were, were, were a tough nut to crack, man. They, they were good defensively, and they took advantage of their opportunities offensively a whole lot better than the Predators did. Well, Darcy Kemper, I mean, you got to give him credit, too. The Arizona's goalie was, was really good. I don't know if he was – if he swung the series. I mean, he kind of swung the series. I don't know if he won the series for them. I think the Predators, you know, again, you know, I get it. I mean, the resiliency is there, and they showed some growth on the, the, the mental fortitude department uh, under John Hines. I just think, you know – I would guess that a lot of fans of this team are sick and tired of just the, the same old ending. I mean, every year since they made it to the cup final when they weren't supposed to make it, they've regressed uh, in the playoffs. They lost in the second round the year after that. They lost in the first round last year. They lost in the playing round or whatever you want to call this round this year. This team does not seem to be – franchise does not seem to be taking steps forward. You know, and, and there are many, you know, many theories about why that might be, but – I think, you know, and, and I don't like to make excuses. Look, these guys have paid a lot of money. You know, they're, they're, it's a results-oriented business, and they're not getting the results. I do have, you know, some, some something in me tells me that you have to give a new coach, especially under these odd circumstances of this whole season, you know, credit and time and have some patience with, with him. But, you know, there were some, there were some you know, encouraging things uh, from the Predators. I mean, Ryan Johansson – and that Joe Feline appears to be back. You know, Victor Arvidsson, of course, got hit in the ribcage with a puck at the, sec- at the end of the second period and didn't come back for the Predators, which couldn't help. He looked great all series. Now, UC Saros wasn't phenomenal, but he didn't lose them the series, and he's, the, he's, the, he's your new Predators starting goalie. I mean, they, there's some re- new realities that are going to be coming looking forward with this team. One of them, I think the most noticeable, is going to be that UC Saros is the starter. Pecorino is the backup goalie. That's not going to change. 
barring any injury or, or whatever. I don't think there's going to be a competition going into camp next season. I think it's UC's job, and, and that's the way it is. But there are some other things that are a little disturbing uh, when, when you look at the depth of this team and, and what some of these guys are making and, and kind of the lack of production from, you know, Friday notwithstanding when Duchesne scored a goal and played a heck of a game after, you know, making a horrible mistake that could have cost them game three with the offside call that cost them the go-ahead goal. You know, I think there's going to be – I know there's going to be some changes. I mean, they have some unrestricted free agents. You know, what happens with Craig Smith? What happens with Mikael Granlin? Are some of these younger guys like Tomasino and, and Colvin going to get a chance next season? Uh, you saw Tenorti playing a lot more. So, uh, you know, while the core isn't going to change, I, I think that there will be a different look and a different feel to this team next year, and I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing. And what if, uh, what if that lottery goes well Monday night? Yeah, that's a whole nother, that's a whole nother goofy thing that I, I'll be honest with you. I've, I may have looked into it a little bit, but it's a crapshoot. And, you know, it, uh, you know, banking your future on a number one pick is not always a wise thing to do either, especially when you're, you have some established veterans, but you know, it wouldn't hurt them to get a, to get a good draft pick. Uh, I don't, I don't personally like the way the NHL is rewarding teams with, with you know, I mean, look, Pittsburgh can get the number one pick too. You know I mean? I think that's ridiculous, but so be it. That's the way it is. It's been a weird season, but you know, I, I today I just felt like just like the whole series. I felt like when I was watching the beginning of this game today, I felt like I was watching the same game from the other day. And and you know, you kind of feel like the results are inevitable. Look, they lost to a team that wouldn't even have been in the playoffs if it weren't for you know the, the circumstances. Most likely, a team that hadn't won a playoff series in eight years. And and this is a veteran group, so I think the expectations have to be higher for the Predators. I think they will be higher for the Predators. It's a good thing when the fan base gets impatient and make, just making the playoffs isn't good enough anymore. And I think that's where, you know, this franchise is still in its infancy, relatively speaking. In the last four or five years, you know, fans have felt like, you know, they, they became more demanding. And I think that's a good thing. I think that's, you know, that, that can, it's a healthy thing. And, you know, Again, this, this year was, was strange. I, I predicted the team was going to win the cup that nobody probably thought would win. I think every lower seed is winning in the first in this play-in round. It seems like every elimination game, you know, you've seen a lot of teams that aren't supposed to, aren't supposed to be winning wins. So, strange season, but still, you know, not really all that different from the Predators that we have seen for a lot of the season. No, it's not. And it, was, it really was remarkable how – it was a lot like this season. You saw the the collapse in the first period of game one. They don't handle adversity well. They do a little bit better of that throughout the whole series. But, I mean, as I wrote, this is a team that's been chasing should have all season. You know, they should have been a lot better than they were. They should have won this series because they had so many more shots and chances than the Coyotes did. You know, it, it – it's frustrating. It has to be frustrating if you're a fan of this team because you do watch them play and you see why some of the expectations were where they were, but it just, it just didn't happen. And I think I part of it too, Gentry, is I mean, this team, a lot of these guys in this team played in that cup final in 17, but you have to also remember that the, the Predators weren't even supposed to be there. They, they, they backed into the playoffs basically on the last day of the season. They were an eight seed. They were playing the Blackhawks who had won, you know, three Stanley Cups in the last what, eight, nine years, whatever before that. And, you know, those circumstances are a lot different than these circumstances. And, and, and you know, the players aren't, aren't all the same and, the, you know, the, the situations aren't all the same. You know, but I think 
rightly so, though, that this roster has been built, you know, look, Kyle Turris is a really good NHL player. He, he hasn't fit in in Nashville so far. Cal Granlin took a long time, you know, relative to how long he's been here, to look like he fits in. I think that second line with, with, with Duchesne, Granlin, and Turris, I, I don't really love that line because I think they're all the same player. You know, I, I like mixing, mixing those guys up and moving them around. I don't know if they can be productive, you know, in this system. It's, it's, it's hard to tell, but, you know, I think the Predators should be, you know, they made the playoffs – you know, they had one of the longest streaks of, of making the playoffs in the postseason. I'm not sure how this goes down in history. If they, I think they technically missed the playoffs because they didn't make it out of the playing around. But, you know, look, if you're, if you're a fan of a team, you want, you want that team to be competitive every year, especially when the Predators spend as much as they do. You know, you have to – you just have to get more out of guys. you got to hope Johansson has a better regular season next season. You have to hope that, you know, if they can't get rid of tourists, which I, I believe they've tried to in the past, you know, then they have to figure out a better role for him. And I, I, it was interesting to ask Ryan Ellis after this game because, you know, with a lot of the talk has been about the mental fortitude. And he basically said, you know, if, 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 if we were under the old regime, and I don't know if he was taking a shot at Laviolette or not. I don't know if that was his intention. But, you know, he said we would have caved, you know, before in these situations, and we didn't. So they feel like that's progress. Now I think, you know. It's progress, but they lost the game. Right. And, and, that's, and, and he did say that too. I mean, you know, the bottom line is to win the game. But you see, it seems like you get a lot of – kind of those canned, you know, we could have been better, we should have been better, and, and you don't you – know, I, I don't know if people want to see these guys throwing their sticks against the wall and breaking, you know, breaking things and kicking dogs. I don't know what they want to see. And, and who knows how these guys react privately. I mean, you know, publicly they kind of toe the line. And, uh, but I thought it was interesting, you know, that, that he came out and kind of said, you know, yeah, we admitted, I guess, that, yeah, we would have, we would have caved in, in these situations before, and we're not doing that now, which is a sign of progress. But like you say, again, it's, it's results-oriented, man. I mean, you know, you guys are getting paid a lot of – basically, it's one of my favorite sayings is, you know, we, people want results, not excuses. I think that's just what it is, what it boils down to. Well, and, and you know, going back to the, to the goalie decision for this, I kind of thought all along that – you know, with, with, with UC, it's a little bit more of a risky decision. I felt like it, had he been playing Pekka through these four games and the same thing happened, it would have been a lot easier to defend the decision to play a Hall of Fame goalie who had been in, in all these, these playoff series. Well, I, don't, I don't know if he's a Hall of Fame goalie, but we can, we can debate that later. But I know he's, <laughs> he's, a, he's a seasoned goalie for sure. But I'm sorry, go ahead. Well, and I think, you know, I think UC was a gamble a bit on upside probably. And, and I don't think he was terrible. I agree. I don't think he cost him the series, but I think you're going to hear a lot of this now. You know, how do you have a guy like Pecorino not play him in a playoff series? And, and I, because he's 37 years old and he had a horrible season, the worst of his career and you were, you're trying to win. And there's a, this transition has been going on for three years. I mean, it's, it's common sense. I mean, at people who, you know, I, I, I haven't been around for that long you know, down here covering this team. But I can, I mean, you see this, this transitioning has been happening for a long time. And now it's just people are not, you know, they're not willing because Pekka is so beloved and rightfully so. I mean, I like Pekka. I don't have, you know, I like both those guys. It's nothing, you know, my personal feelings about them have nothing to do with what I think about who should play. Uh, and, and I think it was definitely the right decision. And, and, and I think nostalgia is a seductive liar. I think it would have been a big mistake to play Pekka, you know, this whole series as the starter. Because you have to, look, you know, I, I, Laviolette was more beholden to Pekka, a lot more than John Hines. And I don't think I'm not saying John Hines doesn't respect Pekka. I'm I, I'm very sure he does. 
He's also interested in keeping his job and putting his team in the best position to win. And that by doing that means playing UC Soros in goal. I, I was team Pekka before the series, but once it started and it got to a point with UC where it didn't make any sense to sit him at that point. If you were going to do it, Wednesday's game seemed like the time that we were all kind of expecting, okay, we're going to see the other goalie in that game. Right, because of the back-to-back. But you, you don't want to shatter UC's confidence either by, all right, now we're going to play Peck in an elimination game. Like, you know, you have to let UC see it through. You have to let him, for better or worse, the transition's been made, the decision's been made, and, you, and you know, Peck is not getting any younger and, and getting any better. And that's just – those are just facts. Like, I, you can't argue those facts. You know, and, and again, I, you know, I have seen the other side of, you know, people wanting – campaigning for, for, for Pekka to start. I understood that. I don't think that those people are wrong. I just happen to have a different opinion. With as much as Heinz talks about mental fortitude, I don't think you mess with a guy's mind like that by you – know, there was talk today about you – know, chatter today about, you know, will, will, will Pekka start because it's an elimination. I, absolutely not. Uh, it, made, it would have made no sense today. I, I well, it, let me ask you this: Do you think Pekka sticks around next year to be a backup? Oh, I 100% think he will. I 100% think he will. I mean, you know, he, he look, he wants to play. I've had many, 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 probably many more discussions with him than anybody else about retiring. And he, you know, we've talked privately about you know about some things that you know had conversations that that aren't for public consumption. Not that he's told me he's going to retire or whatever, but he, he's made it very clear that he's very loyal to this organization and he's very loyal to UC Soros and he will do whatever it takes. And I think having Pekka around in a backup role for a full season behind UC will do worlds of good for UC Soros as well. You know, before Pekka, we expect Pekka to retire after next season. Um, so yeah, I think he'll be back. I, I don't see any situation where he wouldn't be. When you look at the as, – as we start talking about the future, you look at this team and, and you know, we, we talked about this at the trade deadline too. There's just not a lot of flexibility financially with some of these deals. A lot of these guys are, are on really long-term deals. And, you know, now you add – you know, Yossi will be the highest paid guy, I guess, next season, which is probably how it should be. Oh, definitely how it should be, yeah. <laughs> You know, you're, you're sitting there looking at – you're locked into Duchesne, you know, Johansson, Torres, a lot of these guys for a lot of years. So you're at a point now where if David Poyle did want to do more than just tweak things and really saw, you know, some big things they're going to need to do, I'm not sure he can, you know, short of trying to deal some of these guys. And I don't know – Well, he has tried to deal. And, I mean, short of, you know, look, we don't know what the salary cap is going to look like. It's not going to go up. So that, that, that takes some flexibility out of it. You know, I don't know if they're going to revisit the rules and, and whatnot. You can, you, there's always options of buying players out, which is usually a dangerous thing because, you know, part of their salary stays on your, against your cap. I think if you're going to get rid of a guy like Turris or you're going to get rid of a guy, uh, maybe, you know, I don't think a Johansson type, but if you're going to get rid of let's let's just use Kyle as an example. Um, I think you're going to have to do what you do with, with Subban and basically trade him for nothing. You know, you're going to have to trade him for some prospects and some, and I, and I don't mean nothing in terms, but you know, they didn't get a big name back in that, in that trade. They didn't get high draft picks back in that trade. That was, that, that was purely a salary dump. Now I, I'm not sure what all the other teams in the league, what their situations are with the salary cap and if they can absorb it or if they want it or what kind of system Kyle Turris would fit in. I, I am pretty confident that David Poyle has tried to shop Kyle Turris before and been unsuccessful 
So it's a hard sell. You're right. And, and it doesn't give them a lot of flexibility. And I think that's where, you know, where Heinz comes in and his coaching staff comes in and they have to be creative. And, 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 and I don't even know if it's that creative. I don't, I don't love Duchesne, Granlin and tourists together. I just, I, I just, I see three of the same player. I, you know, I, I like, I like Benino up there, you know, playing with those guys uh, a little bit more. I like, I liked, even with Arvidsson out tonight, I like Duchesne on the top line with, with Johansson and Forsberg. It hasn't to mess with the Benino Grimaldi Smith line, but it's a third line and Smith's going to be gone next year anyway. So now maybe you move one of those guys down or, you know, move one of those guys up. They played Rocco up, you know, not a, he's not a, a $10 million a year player, but man, he's not going to make very many mistakes and he's very complimentary. You know, he's, he's like a, a, a poor man's version of Arvidsson in terms of, you know, his speed and, you know, he doesn't make a lot of mistakes and, you know, he has a lot of energy and whatnot. He's not going to be the goal scorer that, that Arvidsson is, but you know, you, you, you can mix things up a little bit. And, they, and you know, I asked John and the players too, after the game, you know, what, what do you do now? You had four months off basically, then you went to camp and you played for less than a week and now you're going to have another, you know, three months off. What do you do at that time? And I think a lot of that is going to be spent a lot of the way that the last time off is spent was, you know, trying to figure those things out, talking to players and, and finding the right roles for them. Cause you're right. I think they're going to have to work with the pieces of the puzzle that they have. I think they're going to have to give some younger guys a chance. I mean, look, how long is Tolvin going to be, you know, you got to give the guy a shot, you know, for, for better or worse, you got to give the guy a shot. Thomasino is a guy that they drafted who's, who's been really good for, you know, for his team. You know, maybe you maybe you inject some of the young blood in there. I mean, you can't you can't say that minor league team I, they were dominant. I mean, were, there's I mean, there's clearly talent on that team. There is, but it's it's you know that's a whole different game there, and and just you know I'm sure, I'm sure you know I mean the AHL and the NHL is not you know it's not really comparable on a lot of levels, uh, especially the you know the speed of the game and and whatnot. But look. They have, and they also have two pretty good goalies down there, and, and that's going to be an interesting thing. What are they? What are they? How are they going to transition one of those guys into, you know, when Pekka retires? You know, I, I don't think anybody's forcing Pekka out the door. I think he'd be a valuable asset to have around for at least you know for another season for UC. Um, they have him under contract for another season. I think that was probably by design, you know, with him to be the backup the last season he was here. And I think Pekka knows that competitor and probably hates it, but. You know, I, th- I think he's, it's not like he hasn't seen this coming and it's not like the predators have lied to him. I mean, I think, you know, they're, the whole situation is been kind of the plan. So what, I'll be interested to see what, what happens. I think they, November third week, second week, third week, November, they're supposed to report to camp if things go according to plan and, we'll know a lot more by then and a lot can happen between now and then. Yeah. We also, we also don't know when the season's even going to start. I mean, th- this was such a strange postseason. We'll see what it looks like. With them yeah, actually. They're, they're talking beginning of December. I, and I think they're, I've, I've, I've read between the tea leaves and think that they might keep it that way uh, instead of starting in October and pushing the season back to start of the season back as to not compete with, you know, the NFL. I mean, it, nearly as much and, um, and the NBA, you know, they would be on different calendars than, than the NBA for, for some part of it, especially for their playoffs, which would be, you know, competing with baseball and I guess football camps would like they do now. But yeah, I mean, it'll be, it'll be interesting to see what happens with the Predators. I, I think I'm not making any excuses for them. They should, I mean, you know, they lost to a team that wouldn't have made the playoffs. Here's, here's, here's the thing with this that, that I think it goes back to, to when the coaching change was happened in January. You heard so many guys on the team say, for whatever reason, we're not doing what we're supposed to be doing. 
And that seems to, you know, John Hines did some good things. I like John Hines. I think that he'll have a shot to do a good job in Nashville. But at the end of the day, he didn't really change the path this team was on. Uh, now, maybe if they no, don't. No, I disagree with you. I disagree with you there because when, when he took over, they were not on course for the playoffs, and they kind of turned that around and got into a playoff spot by the end of the end of the when the regular season was paused. And, and it took him a couple months, but I think he got them, steered them more on, on, uh, to a better track than they were on when he took over. So I will, I, I will disagree. I think he did, you know, make a tangible difference. It's hard to say because the regular season wasn't finished and things aren't under normal circumstances. Yeah, yeah, who knows? But there'll be 16 teams playing in the NHL from now on, and the Preds aren't one of them. Right. Well, and that's, that, that is the reality, yes. And I, don't, and I don't give them a pass for that. They did outplay the Coyotes. They should have beaten the Coyotes. They didn't. And that's kind of it in a nutshell. And, and that's kind of been you know, their season in a nutshell for the last two or three years. What do you think they're missing? What changes this? Because that was kind of what I was getting at. Nobody seemed to have a good answer for here's why this is happening, and they still don't. I think, I think a lot of it is that the Predators have a lot of very good players, uh, offensive players. Now, Roman Yossi is an elite defenseman in the NHL, could win the Norris Trophy. I think they have guys capable of being elite offensive players. I think, you know, Philip Forsberg and Victor Arvidsson come to mind as being potential elite players. But those aren't players that scare the hell out of other teams on a nightly basis, like some of these other superstar elite players. And I think they've always been missing that offensively. They've had elite defensemen, but they've never really had – uh, consistently now they've had some guys who st- you know spent Paul Korea spent some time here he was in the lead offense but they don't have an elite guy every single year and and for whatever reason I don't know I don't I, I can't I couldn't tell you why but I mean I think Philip Forsberg Victor Arvidsson could be elite offensive players why they're not I, I have no idea but I think that's what they're lacking I, I really do is, is having that that punch that some of the other teams that, that have been successful have <clears throat> you know Pittsburgh has it. The Blackhawks had it. You know, a lot of the be- the better teams, elite teams, in the in recent past have had one or two elite offensive players that really were scary for other teams and you know score a point a night. <clears throat> and and the Predators don't really have that. Yeah, and and you could you could see it. I mean, there was never there was never a consistent scoring threat this year that. That would scare you if you're the other team. I mean, that's, that's just a fact. They, they, their numbers are bad. The guys who are making all this money are ranked seventh, eighth, ninth on the team in goals. And Yeah, I mean, it's, you know, it goes a lot. Yeah, there's, there's you know, those, those surface numbers tell, tell a story, and, and so are the numbers that lie beneath the surface too. And, you know, and they know that, and I'm not exactly sure. I think a lot of it has had to do with systems. Uh, I think a lot of this is how they play the game. I mean, see, see, people don't want to admit that. They don't want to admit that the Predators maybe aren't, as good as, you know, before the season, there were some predict, predicting them the top five of the NHL, an elite team. They're, they're yeah. paper champions. I mean, they have, you know, they, they look really, really good on paper. They really do. And, but for, for, for whatever reason, you know, you, you can go through injuries, you can go through coaching, you can go through changes, you can go through goalies, you can go through a, a laundry list of things that, you know, prevent this team from, from being an elite team every year I think they're a very good a good to very good team every year but they're not they're not great and you know you look at on paper and you think you know 
they're great judging by their salaries. They're, you know, they're great judging by their potential. They're great, you know, judging by, you know, put this guy, this guy, this guy together, but you know, they haven't just haven't been able to produce the results. And I think that's going to be the, the challenge with John Heinz. I think that's why they moved on from Peter Lavalette. You know, David Poyle has been very, very loyal to his head coaches. I mean, John's the third head coach in the history of this team. That's unbelievable. It really is. I mean, the stability. It, it's, you know, so I think you have to just like anything else, you have to give him a chance. But the other thing to remember too, is that these guys aren't getting any younger either. And, so, you, you, you know, there's kind of a, a the old cliche of the window there, and you have to take advantage when these guys are in their primes. Victor Arverson gets hurt too much. I mean, you know, that kills him. I think, you know, Philip Forsberg, I don't know what what holds him back. I mean, injuries to me are, are what really costs Arverson, you know, uh, and that's just the way he plays. He knows one speed, like we've talked about, and, and he puts his body on the line, and today was, you know, an aberration where he got hit by a puck from his own teammate. He wasn't trying to block a shot. He wasn't trying to even get hit hard into the boards. It's just one of those plays that happens, but they always seem to happen to him uh, one way or the other. So, and that's unfortunate for the players. I think he is that elite, you know, that, that elite player that they're missing, but they don't have him all the time. So it'll be interesting. You know, when they head back here, we'll see if we get to talk to them again and and, and get their thoughts on kind of, you know, I was asking some questions today about, you know, what they're planning on doing with all this downtime again. They just had a bunch of downtime and now they have a bunch of downtime again. And of course, you know, they were all focused on planning on being in in Edmonton until October, which isn't going to happen. So now, you know, now what do they do? And and so that'll be what I'm interested in finding out next. And, And, you know, the draft thing will be fun. It'll be a fun thing to watch, but I, I don't know how much of an impact they have next season unless they get the number one overall pick. And Yeah, pronounce uh, Alexis Lafren- Lafreniere. I'll leave that to you, SDs. <laughs> <laughs> Lafreniere is my best shot at that. But Yeah, uh, well, but so I mean, we'll see what happens. And it's like, you know, all the talk is about him, and I, I haven't really studied the draft a lot. Um, hockey prospects are so hard. To, you know, it's not like – it's not like college football where you've seen them all and, and you know, they're, you know, you, you, you know, the names, you know, or, or the, or the NBA with basketball because of college. I mean, it's hockey's just, they're all spread out all over the world. And look, Pecorini was a sixth or seventh round pick. Nobody ever heard of him. You know, <laughs> Victor Arvidsson was a guy who wasn't even drafted, uh, you know, early and, you know, early. So you don't know. Uh, it's a crap shoot. But yeah, I mean, We'll see. It'll be fun to watch. It'll be fun to follow. And I'm looking forward to watching some of these games and, and seeing how these playoffs turn out. Because, I, I, you know, the, the, the NHL playoffs still are my favorite. Like I've said before, baseball is my favorite sport. But the NHL playoffs are my favorite postseason to watch, even when I don't care about any of the teams, just because, especially elimination games, I, they're, always, they're almost always, you know, almost always exciting. And it's, it's, it's the only sport I think where your level of play goes up noticeably. Like everyone's physical. You got Grimaldi and Granlin in there checking guys against the boards, which you don't see a lot during your regular season. You know, and, and so it's 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 fun to watch. I'm looking forward to watching and um, finding out more about what the Predators' plans are for the future. Well, uh, it was it was pretty wild there. We got into overtime today. I mean, you could very easily envision a scenario: things go different, the Preds get that goal in the in overtime. Now we would be talking about Sunday. They probably be favored to win the game. I don't, I don't see how anyone could watch the last two games of that series and actually think the Preds wouldn't be favored to, to advance, but you know, the best team doesn't always win it is what it is. Yeah. I mean, I think they had more than 50 shots today. The yeah. I mean, it's, they, they gave themselves a chance to win, but look, 
hopefully sometime maybe in the near future, you and I will get together and do this again. I know you're looking at a vacation next week, but we'll, uh, we'll see what, ha- what goes on. And um, we thank everybody for listening. And if you want to subscribe to this podcast, you can do that on any platform where you can find your podcast. Also, please consider subscribing to Tennessee or Tennessean.com. We, uh, we value getting paid and we're, we're thankful for everybody who, who listens and reads and even people who disagree with us or make fun of us or whatever. We appreciate everybody doing that. And hopefully we'll be back for another episode. Not quite sure yet, just like everything else, 2021 is going to happen, but I uh, appreciate you being on Gentry and uh, I hopefully we'll talk soon for uh, Gentry Estes. I'm Paul Scarbina. This has been Catfish Corner. Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts.